welcome to another episode of Conversation with a Chef. I'm Jo Ritty and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. I begin today by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional custodians of the land where this conversation takes place, land which was never ceded, land where communities came together to eat seasonally, locally and without exhausting resources. I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Today I'm chatting to Dan Briggs from Chin Chin. Dan Briggs is the loveliest guy. He's a gentle giant with two great passions. His family, including a brand new and super cute puppy he got for Father's Day, and his job as executive chef at Chin Chin. Dan has been part of the Chin Chin family for his whole career, which says a lot about the kind of environment the Lucas Group creates, and also about Dan's loyalty. I went into Chin Chin on Flinders Lane on a Wednesday afternoon and it was pumping. I think it's always pumping. We talked about the phenomenon of this sort of popularity, as well as advice for young people thinking about becoming a chef, and Dan gave me a behind-the-scenes tour of Chin Chin, which I, of course, absolutely loved. I don't know if you know this, but the kitchens at Chin Chin are tiny. They put out so much food every service, and it's a party in the restaurant, and an absolutely perfectly choreographed and organised magic place out the back. I loved every minute of my chat to Dan, and I know you'll love listening to it. Hi Dan, how are you? Yeah, good. Good. Nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, nice to yeah. meet you as well. Good to finally see you because we've been trying for a while. But um, yeah, it's, it's been a while. Yeah, <laughs> so have my we, hands full. Well, no, you yeah. must have your yeah. hands full because uh, executive chef of Chin Chin—that's a big. Yeah, a yeah, big pretty role. big role. Yeah, yeah, and obviously being a large group as well. I do a lot with a lot of the other guys across the restaurants as well. So yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. Got my hands full. So how many Chin Chin venues are there? Uh, just the two at the moment. Yeah. So we've got Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's so. quite big though to oversee Sydney yeah well. I kind of Matt's up there and he's the yeah. exec chef there oh, and then there. we kind of collab together and okay. discuss ideas but since the brand's so strong in itself anyway kind of 70% 80% of the menus kind of become a signature dish anyway kind of thing of so course. we have that 20 30% percent play yeah. with and be creative and then all the side menus and events menus to play with kind of thing yeah so, yeah yeah it's amazing though, isn't it? Like, like just the reputation Chin Chin has of queues down the street and... Um, yeah, it's pretty cool, yeah. yeah. It, it, it does kind of pump your tires up a little bit when you have a peek outside. Absolutely. And you're out, kind of, yeah, so, yeah. And when did it open? Uh, so it opened 11 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still got that same... Yeah, still still pumping along, yeah. yeah. So you can, can now actually book. So we kind of book out like 60, 70% of the restaurant now. Um, so there's kind of like 300 booked every night and then the walk-ins kind of top that up and keep it ticking up to 800 plus on busy nights. So, it's so good, yeah. isn't it? So obviously the food's really good. It's a cool atmosphere. But, you know, places like Melbourne, and because I write a bit for Broadsheet as well, you know, Broadsheet puts an article out about a new place and everyone flocks there. And then yep. there's a new shiny thing and everyone goes there. What do you reckon it is about Chin Chin that keeps people coming consistently? I think consistently? it's fully to do with the whole experience. I think when we first started, we had a massive social media presence and Jess Ho was kind of leading that and getting stuff on Twitter and, and Instagram and all that kind of jazz. So that kind of created its own cult following. Um, we kind of back ourselves in the food is quite good anyway. And then all the art installations, we have a good culture and good team, a lot of good training. We make yeah. sure it's kind of a fun, loud environment as well kind of thing. So yeah. like everyone kind of comes in for a good time, 
sometimes yeah. a quick time. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there's, so much, there's so much going on, though. It's good to know that you can come to a place, and if you've got other things to do, like shows or whatever to be at, that you can have chin chin Yeah, and it, it and does kind of flow like that as well. So kind of five o'clock every day, it really does fill in pretty quickly, and you find that those are the kind of people that are going to the footy or going to shows, and like those guys are kind of really keen to get out in the first place anyway. So it kind of helps anyway to keep the crowd pushing through and you kind of know that you can come to the front door and you won't have to wait too long yeah. to grab a table anyway and you won't miss your show or you can get to the footy down at the G and yeah yeah, that, yeah and it's so nice out out here even on not even but on Flinders Lane although there's a lot of work going on down yeah, there yeah, like. yeah doing all the gas mains at the moment oh, so gas mains, that's yeah, fun it's times, a bit, yeah. bit of fun to get here at the moment but although at least there's not traffic coming down here that's a bit quieter maybe yeah, I don't know. yeah, yeah, 100%, yeah. <laughs> i think the street itself has been a bit quieter since covid but like we've kind of lost a few restaurants as well which has kept us kind of ticking along during lunchtime anyway yeah like our lunches have been very very solid yeah, since nice. we reopened from covid it's been yeah. kind of relentless to be honest like about a month ago normally we kind of quiet down and we can all go on holidays kind of thing and do the new menus and plan for Christmas but yeah it's been very relentless this year ever since we reopened from the last lockdown and now starting to find our feet and slow down a little bit but then we've got Father's Day on, fr- on Sunday oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so off yeah. we go again huge yeah so it's kind of a zero to a hundred yeah pretty really much yeah. And, yeah so and kitchens run on high energy high vibe making sure everyone's having fun kind of things so, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah that's cool so are you still on the pans uh, every now and then, so I, I do love cooking and into the day anyway. So yeah, I try and get in there at least two days a week. Um, we have an expediter role, which is generally your most kind of senior person who stands outside the kitchen and calls the tickets. But I prefer to have like my sous chefs out there so I can be in. So the time that I do have in the kitchen is well spent anyway, and spending it with the juniors and putting that time into them. I think that's a big thing about hospitality right now. Like we are on our knees for staff, but we've always prided ourselves on having good training, good development. And Chinchin in itself has become kind of our hub for like a lot of the chefs I've trained have gone off to Yakamono or Hawker Hall and all the other restaurants to take up senior roles. Yeah. So we really pride ourselves on that to like bring in. So I do feel I have to be in there anyway, give them my time. And they really, you see the chefs really appreciate when the most senior chef is in there anyway. Oh, absolutely. Jumping on the pans and showing them how to do a jungle curry from start to finish kind of thing and yeah. talking through your own experiences and guiding them through the way. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. And and I thought it was interesting that, you know, you've been a chef for 16 years, but you've been with the Lucas Group the whole time. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so intrigued yeah. I'm like by employee that. number one. Yeah. <laughs> but I yeah. love that because, you know, and um, so you've worked your way all the way through. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because it says so much about the group that it must be kind of like a family and it still offers you so much opportunity. Yeah, no, no it's been excellent. I've, like, I've, had, I've got a lot of respect for Chris Lucas, the owner. Like, he's put a lot of time into me personally and... Like there's probably been times where I've been out of line when I was a bit younger and he's kind of clipped me over the head and got and put training and stuff in place for me and like I've really bought into his vision when he bought Pearl he kind of sat me down and said kind of this is my plan but if you're not going to buy into that plan you're a really good chef and I'm happy to invest in where do you want to work I'll do my best to get you in there and see what I can do and set you up for a six 12 month kind of period and but like I'd really like you to stay and like that kind of kind of to me was like well like this guy means business, yeah, Ooh. like, that, that's really cool, like, his plan's pretty cool, like, if he can actually pull it off, like, I'd love to be a part of this, and, like, along the way, so I started at Chin Chin once he opened that up, and then I've kind of gone across to all the other restaurants, and, yeah, yeah. so whilst I am kind of based here full-time, I do a lot of time with the other chefs anyway, and, like, at the moment, I'm working with Grill Americano and helping Doug just with a few small things, and just helping guide him along the way, and how the Lucas Group runs, and, like, 
how we are so successful anyway and yeah. doing things the Lucas Group way. That's fun. So did you always know you wanted to be a chef? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, kind of growing up, my parents worked a lot. Dad, like, Dad used to do like six days a week. Like, we had, grew up in a big family, really, so the six of us, I've got one brother, two sisters. Um, like, Dad was always working, basically, to put food on the table, same with Mum, so I spent a lot of time with my grandma. Um, my grandma was always cooking. I don't, like, memories are she isn't, wasn't probably the best cook, but, like, I grew up with her always kind of cooking and always doing big stews and stuff like that. I think, like, I, from a young age, I wanted to help do that, so I was always chopping carrots and... Like, it was my job to make the Christmas pudding every year. And, like, even when I moved to Melbourne, I was like, I still want to make the Christmas pudding every year. But, yeah, so, like, from a young age, I kind of bought into just spending time in the kitchen and now I'm kind of stuck in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But what do you reckon, it, is it about the satisfaction of making things or, or maybe, and also um, pleasing people? Because I feel like... It's probably a bit of both. Yeah. I love the creative side. Like, a place like Chinchin for me... I really enjoy working with the Thai guys. A big thing that I try and teach like my senior chefs in being creative is harness and be like respectful for the actual Thai culture in itself. And that's kind of what I've tried to pride myself on doing here at Chin Chin in doing some research, but also like Fon, one of my senior sous chefs, is like, um, like probably the most influential person in the kitchen, as well as Benjamin. But like when I have any ideas, I go through her in what would you think? What would someone from Thailand think? Like, am I offending your culture? Am I respecting your culture? What can we do different? And then kind of adjusting that to the Australian palate kind of thing. So I do love that kind of thing. But then obviously, heaving restaurant, people smiling, having fun. And then like, as you, like when we are heaving, you can see all the guests kind of have to go past us, go to the kitchen. Like people telling us how good the food is. Like it's a really good feeling. Yeah. yeah really good feeling. Like even if you can't hear over them half the time. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, That's awesome. And it's just what you were saying just before, that um, that idea of authenticity um, and cultural respect, etc. that's been coming up a bit lately, because I spoke to Rasheen Call because yep. she put her book out Chinese-ish, yep. and we were talking about the idea of um, sometimes within a culture, authenticity is about using what's available, so you, you know, you're using the techniques of a certain way of doing things, but then what's local here. Yeah, and, no, and yeah, so, yeah. And, you know, obviously you don't, no one wants to be offensive, but maybe there is that idea of authenticity is that you're being authentic to the... No, 100%. And, like, like something I've also learnt is by respecting the Thai culture and working with the Thai guys, what they're also trying to get out of me is why do people like this food so much? Mm. And it's always been about finding that balance in what do Australians and people that are coming to Melbourne want to eat at Chin Chin, but also what do they want to experience from Thailand and making it palatable for both in having that respect, but also creating a dish that... It's like loved and becomes a signature in itself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And obviously you, in, over the 16 years, have travelled um, to uh, Southeast Asia? A little bit, yeah. A, a little bit. I've had a... Had a unfor- uh, yeah, with how busy I am, I've had a few trips, yeah. And I've also cancelled a few trips. And, yeah, also a young dad as well. So, yeah. like, yeah, trying to spend that time. So, trying to get back over next year for at least a month kind of thing. And, like, we have spoke on a head office basis. And, yeah, we're going to get over there a bit more often in yeah. the years coming but yeah like I've been to Thailand a bit and really enjoyed it over there and like really enjoyed going on my own anyway and like I've met a couple of my old chefs over there and stuff and they've just taken me to markets and like that's actually been the most kind of outbringing outgoing experience I've had in like being so lost but like having one of my Thai chefs running me around the most random place in Thailand what, was, been, the, what was the most random thing you saw because there's probably quite a few in markets probably, probably, probably the amount of, like I 
like the amount of insects and offal I ate over there was yeah. like, yeah, like a, when I was in a meeting the other week, I was like, as much as I want to go to Thailand, I don't know if offal's on the menu this time because of like the amount of soups and, and sauces and stuff I was having with, I'm like, what's this? What's this? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, that's lung and that, that's intestine. The guys I was with had a good laugh in watching me eat everything and like even eating a scorpion was like, like am I going to die kind yeah, of thing? Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But no, but yeah, so... Yeah, really cool. Can't wait to get back over there. Yeah, absolutely. So, so just to finish with, because I know you've probably got heaps more things to do doing today, is um, what would be your advice for a young person thinking about becoming a chef now? Uh, my advice would be find a good mentor. I yep. think. I think the. I think I feel like we've been very successful here, and because we go out of a way to put a program, we actually have our own Lucas Group apprenticeship program that I actually run myself. Ooh. And so basically, all the guys go to school. And then, but then we have every three weeks we do our own mentoring and stuff. So, like for example, tomorrow actually we're going to the abattoir. So we're going to go to an abattoir and we're going to go through, see how everything's processed, and then do a cow breakdown, pig breakdown, and hopefully we can do it ourselves as well. Like we did the seafood one the other week, which <coughs> the guys showed us how the place worked. But then we got to do it all as well. So we got to do from start to finish the scaling, the gutting, da 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 da. But I think really getting that training and time in and having someone that's actually willing to develop you and put the time into you is definitely the, mo- the biggest thing you need mm. yeah, to be successful as well. Like, I've had a lot of good mentors in like Jeff Lindsay, Adam Silva, Benjamin Cooper especially, that have put so much time into me. And like Benjamin, I probably met as a completed chef, but not a completed leader. And the amount of time he's put into me from a leader aspect has actually created the person I am now, not just as a chef, but also as a father and a person. So yeah, like, so that, like, that's been my journey in a way. But like, yeah, I think being young, find the right person that is willing to give you the time treat you respectfully obviously because you don't need to be treated like dirt um, and then finding a work-life balance I do think to be successful for me and I know it's probably not politically correct you need to put in the time I don't think that's 80 100 hours a week but like hitting that kind of 45 50 hours I do think a big part of where I've gotten to in my life is from doing some of those hard hours and putting the time in and going out of my way to pick up an extra shift and the knowledge that I've gained from doing that mm. but like the, yeah so finding finding a good mentor and then applying yourself and the world's your oyster amazing yeah. Yeah. thank you thanks Dan yeah, no worries hi and welcome to another episode of conversation with the chef I'm Joe Ritty and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. I begin today by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional custodians of the land where this conversation takes place, land which was never ceded, land where communities came together to eat seasonally, locally and without exhausting resources. I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Today I'm chatting to Dan Briggs from Chin Chin. Dan Briggs is the loveliest guy. He's a gentle giant with two great passions. His family, including a brand new and super cute puppy he got for Father's Day, and his job as executive chef at Chin Chin. Dan has been part of the Chin Chin family for his whole career, which says a lot about the kind of environment the Lucas Group creates, and also about Dan's loyalty. I went into Chin Chin on Flinders Lane on a Wednesday afternoon, and it was pumping. I think it's always pumping. We talked about the phenomenon of this sort of popularity, as well as advice for young people thinking about becoming a chef. And Dan gave me a behind the scenes tour of Chin Chin, which I of course absolutely loved. 
I don't know if you know this, but the kitchens at Chin Chin are tiny. They put out so much food every service, and it's a party in the restaurant, in an absolutely perfectly choreographed and organised magic place out the back. I loved every minute of my chat to Dan, and I know you'll love listening to it.